Welcome to CodeCasts, a podcast series presented by the International Cyanide Management Institute, or ICMI. This series provides our listeners with useful information about the International Cyanide Management Code to help you understand the code's compliance requirements and expectations. Each CodeCast episode is designed to supplement the training and guidance materials that you can find on the Cyanide Code website. If you'd like to access these materials, such as the standards of practice we refer to, please go to www.cyanidecode.org. In this episode, we will discuss the Cyanide Code's expectations for providing evidence of compliance during audits. In other words, we will discuss the information and materials that an auditor will need in order to assess compliance with the Cyanide Code. Audit evidence comes in several different forms. The main form of evidence is typically documentary evidence. There are numerous types of documents that are acceptable. Some examples are procedures, reports, agreements and contracts, permits and licenses, manuals, plans, and design and equipment specification documents. Acceptable documents may also include minutes of meetings, attendance registers, checklists, inspection records, investigation reports, and monitoring data, to mention but a few. Any of these types of documentary evidence would be familiar to most auditors and most operations. While these documents are typically supplied to auditors in hard copy, evidence may also be electronic. For example, auditors often review electronic data such as monitoring results from online WAD cyanide auto-analyzers. These auto-analyzers are often in place to ensure that the site remains below the 50 mg per litre WAD cyanide requirement at the tailings discharge point. Increasingly, electronic versions are replacing hard copies for some records. For example, at some operations, inspections are recorded in electronic systems, such as electronic tablets. No original paper record of such inspections exists. When it comes to electronic record keeping for code compliance purposes, it is important to have a system of electronic control, such as read-only documents, to prevent accidental or unauthorized alteration of the electronic information. Other forms of electronic evidence include photos, videos, or sound recordings. For instance, photographic evidence is frequently used to document public meetings and presentations held to meet the requirements of the Code's Principle 9 on dialogue. Similarly, some operations record emergency response drills for later assessment and evaluation. The ICMI has also seen audit reports which refer to inspections carried out by drones. Drones are sometimes used for inspecting tailings pipelines, tailing dam faces, and the channels and piping at heap leach pads. While photographic evidence is usually a supplement to other forms of evidence, it can also, in some cases, serve as a substitute for other evidence. For example, photographs taken during the construction of the bases of process tanks could by themselves be enough to demonstrate that the tanks were constructed with an impermeable layer below them. Another common form of evidence is oral evidence, collected during formal interviews or from questioning during field inspections. There are certain circumstances where the only evidence available may be verbal. This can be accepted by code auditors, provided it is appropriately documented in the records of the audit. 
However, if verbal evidence is offered as a response to specific verification protocol questions, then the auditor needs to document the name and position of the person providing the verbal evidence. In some cases, original documents may not exist, and either written or oral statements must be presented to the auditor. For example, one site had no plans or other documentary evidence to verify that its high-strength sodium cyanide storage tanks were located on impermeable concrete bases. However, the engineer on site witnessed the laying of the black polyurethane sealer layer, the installation of the reinforcing bar-strengthening grid, and the casting of the concrete bases. In this case, the engineer made a signed statement on the installation as a note to file, which was included in cyanide code compliance records. This signed note to file was then submitted to the auditor and referenced in the audit reports as evidence. When a site is initially certified, the audit evidence for compliance may be limited. This is because the code does not assume a records history for operations undergoing their initial certification audit. Auditors usually need to verify that the systems and mechanisms that generate records and documentation are in place and being maintained, and that records are complete and current. Auditors frequently want assurance that the discipline to generate and maintain the documents and records is in place. For example, the auditor might wish to see procedures in place that require that records are kept and documents created. Similarly, the auditor would need to be satisfied that staff are trained in those procedures and the associated record-keeping requirements. In a recertification audit, the auditor is required to review the records and documentation covering the three years since the previous certification. Operations need to ensure that their systems for maintaining records are complete and that there are no significant gaps in the completeness of the records. While a break or gap in records may not result in non-compliance, gaps in records are an extremely important factor in an auditor's determination of whether a site is compliant or not. The continuity of evidence and record-keeping is an essential element of audit evidence. Operations should be able to provide evidence of compliance for the entire three-year audit cycle, and operations should not take it for granted that all the necessary records and documents are being kept. This is especially important for ongoing activities such as inspections, where record-keeping gaps are most common. During recertification audits, whether an operation is found to be in substantial compliance or non-compliance often depends on whether or not there was a breakdown in record-keeping since the previous audit. Where breaks in records have occurred, auditors must evaluate and judge the significance of the gap. For example, a mine might have kept most of its inspection records for numerous cyanide tanks and ponds over the three-year certification period, but be missing three weeks of inspection records. In this case, the auditor should examine whether the operation identified the gap in the records and took action to ensure that records were correctly kept. If there was no indication of a systemic failure in the mine's inspection program and no releases or exposures associated with the facilities, the missing inspection reports could be viewed by an auditor as a system that had re-established compliance with no corrective action necessary. As with other information gaps, the auditor must use their judgment, together with the code's guidance, as to whether the operation has maintained compliance.
Another example might be a situation where a mine relies on an online WAD cyanide analyzer to manage WAD cyanide levels to the tailing storage facility. That piece of equipment might break down. In such a situation, it might take days or weeks for a repair to be made. If the mine had put in place a backup system to monitor WAD cyanide in the interim, but less frequently than the online analyzer, the records for the manual measurement could stand in for the absence of the online measurements. In these cases, accurate records, documentation and audit evidence enable the auditor to evaluate the situations and make a sound and justifiable audit judgment. More information on this can be found in the Codecast episode on Auditor Judgment. Another important consideration is the quality of the records. For example, inspection records are not only required, but should also specifically include details like the name of the inspector, the date of the inspection, and any observed deficiencies. In practice, auditors sometimes find inspection records that are illegible. This may indicate that records are not being adequately reviewed before being filed, and it also suggests that deficiencies identified by the inspector were not acted upon. Sometimes auditors also discover records that are incomplete, with a name or signature missing from the inspection record. Failures like these could well be interpreted as a temporary breakdown, or even worse, as a major failure of the cyanide management system. The matter could be even more serious if a subsequent investigation traces an exposure or release to incomplete inspection records that resulted in failure to repair a deficiency. Three years between audits is a long time, particularly when there may be high staff turnover and loss of experienced operators. This means it is important to ensure that record-keeping is of a high quality and that record-keeping systems are regularly checked. Being scrupulous about this means that when those records are requested for code compliance purposes, operations can be confident that their system will provide the audit evidence that is necessary for them to be found to be in compliance. This concludes our Codecast on the evidence typically used during cyanide code audits. We hope that this has given you a better understanding of the code's basic expectations for records and record keeping. Additional details on this topic may be found in ICMI's Guidance for Use of the Mining Operations Verification Protocol, which is available on the Cyanide Code website and in our show notes. If you have any questions on this material or would like to make any comments, suggestions or requests for other topics to be covered, please send us an email at info at cyanidecode.org.